Uh, let me just uh, start this morning, uh, before we get into our sermon and message this morning, uh, a couple things. Uh, yesterday, we had a great men's breakfast yesterday. A lot of you guys were there. Uh, it was great. We had about... 250 guys out there, and we had a wonderful day. I want to ask, uh, give away a couple things this morning. I like giving away things. Um, who, anyone here who you wanted to be there yesterday, but you had to work and you could not be there yesterday? Anyone in here? Uh, okay, a man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, you, even if you didn't have to work, you weren't going to be there. That was quick, though. A man who wanted to be there yesterday at the men's breakfast couldn't be there, uh, had to work. Anyone else? You wanted to come? You wanted to come yesterday? You had to work. John's up in the booth. Somebody get that up in the booth to John, and we'll get that there. Um, but uh, that's good. That's great. Got a couple other books. Let me. Uh, let me. There's another one back there. Come by my office after service. I'll get you one. I got another one. Uh, let me get a couple others. Father's Day. Who is the newest father here? The newest father. You've got the youngest. Not even. Not maybe your first child. Maybe you've got the youngest child here. Who think? Anyone under a year? How many kids under a year? We have no kids under a year. No fathers under a year. Oh boy, we got to get younger. Okay. <laughs> How many? Under two years. Under two years. Who many got kids? Now I know some of you got kids under two years. All right. Eric, anyone? Eric, yeah. Uh, what, we got another one? Uh, Jonathan. How old is Rebecca? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good luck at Duke University, buddy. <laughs> I think the questions get harder than that. Um, you deserve a book just for that, buddy. Here you go. There you go. All right. Who's been the father the longest? Who's been the father the longest? How many fathers over 40 years? Uh, over 40. How many has been a father over 50 years? Over 60 years? Over 70 years? We got, no, anyone been a father over 70 years? Edgar's trying to figure out, have I been, have I not been? I don't, I don't think anyone, anyone beaten over, anyone beaten close to 70 years? How many, how many, Bob, how long, how long you been a dad? What's your oldest child, how old's your oldest child? Not 70. Not 70? <laughs> I think Edgar might have this one. We'll give it to Edgar. Pass that back to Edgar. 90. And if for nothing else, happy birthday this week, Edgar. 93 years old, man. I'm proud of you. So exciting to see you. It is, uh, it is Father's Day, and I want to give you, just before we get into this morning's message, because it's not going to be completely geared to just fathers, but it's going to be geared somewhat to men, boys to men is the title. Um, uh, but uh, let me give you a couple resources uh, that as we get started. Uh, a couple resources for parents in general, because I'd like to do that. I think part of our job as a church, part of my job as a pastor is to curate resources, to curate content, to pass on good content when we have it for the roles that God has called you to, to equip the church, to equip the saints for the ministry God has called you to. 
So as a parent, just give me, let me just give you some parent resources before we get into this morning's message. Uh, one first parent resource, uh, Mount Hope Kids Adventure Ministries. Uh, Mount Hope Kids Adventure Ministries is one of the best resources you can have. And uh, that's exciting. So we've got services on, of uh, course, Sunday mornings, Wednesday night during the school year for the kids. But Donna Favini is a great resource. Uh, she puts out her monthly newsletter. Um, and if you don't get that e-letter, she's got great resources, tips, connections in there. Our junior Bible quiz program. Um, we've got some great things going on. So Mount Hope Kids Adventure is a great place for you to connect to. The Parent Q app. I'm going to guess not many of you know, but how many of you, any of you aware of the Parent Q app? Good. That's why I'm spending time on it this morning. All right. The Parent Q app. So it was in one of the newsletters that uh, Donna Favini sent out. It goes along with our curriculum here at Mount Hope, the curriculum we use with our kids' ministry. And so with Parent Q, you kind of... Uh, you put download the app to your phone, Google or Apple, um, and you, so you click on, here's mine, here's my Parent Q app. If I click on my Parent Q app, then my kids come up. You put a little bit of information in about your kids, and then you click on one of your children. Uh, go back one more. You're getting ahead of me. Go back one screen. And so I clicked on Isaac, and it would, from some information, it tells him I have, he is 632 weeks old this week. Uh, and he has 319 weeks until he, he is standing up here recognized as one of those graduates. Uh, so I, as a parent, have 319 weeks with him under my roof uh, as a child. And so it kind of puts things in perspective. What am I going to do with this week? Because next week it's 318. Um, and so it's using that. And then you, you scroll down a little bit, and it has, so it has every day has different information. So you know, think about this, do this. Sometimes there's something to share at a mealtime. Sometimes there's something to share on a drive. Um, and they're all geared towards the age group of the child you put in. Um, so with Isaac being in middle school, maybe somebody else, you have middle schoolers. Uh, so it talks about, phase, you know, this one starts out, there's no other phase when people look and act weirder than in middle school. And I'm like, yeah, that's, they know middle schoolers. Um, and so there's resources for that. So Parent Q app, uh, I encourage you to download that because sometimes if you're like me, you're driving around, you got your kids in the car and you're going, I really should talk about God or do something or maybe utilize this time. I don't know how. Click on the app. There's usually a verse, a thought, a sentence that can kind of help you with that. So some other resources. Uh, right Now Media, it's on your Connect card today. Uh, right Now Media is something we subscribe to as a church and make available to you for free of charge because you're a part of the church. So uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of videos there. Some of them are family-friendly, just entertainment videos. Others are Bible studies. Others are kids' videos, uh, things like that. So you can go through our website, log on, and subscribe to Right Now Media because you're a part of Mount Hope. You get a free subscription to that, and there are literally thousands of videos you can watch on your phone, your iPad, um, your connected television, whatever it else is. Um, so that's another resource for you, a great resource. Focus on the family ministry and magazines, a great resource. Every time we, uh, a parent dedicates a baby at Mount Hope, um, they get, we give them a little gift. Uh, one of the things we give them is a Bible, but one of the other things we give them is a two-year subscription to Focus on the Family magazine because they get some great tips in there. And I love what Focus on the Family does. They do age-appropriate things. So if you've got toddlers, you've got kids that are teenagers, tweenagers, whatever they are, they've got tips in there for raising each one. A couple books. Uh, Play the Man and Praying Circles Around Your Children are both by Mac ba- Mark Batterson. 
Uh, Lewis and Lewis Vialta did a review of Play the Man yesterday at our men's breakfast. So if you want more information about that, you can ask Lewis and Lewis. Um, Sacred Parenting by Gary Thomas. I'm going to use a couple quotes from there this morning. Pretty much anything by Dr. Kevin Lehman. Um, I recommend. I've yet to see something by Dr. Kevin Lehman I wouldn't recommend. Uh, Have a new kid by Friday. Have a new teenager by Friday. Uh, Making your kid's mind without losing yours. Uh, All... Good books. Uh, Parenting the Powerful Child, all good things uh, that I'd recommend by Kevin Lehman. And finally, the best resource for you and your kids is you. Um, You, as a parent, as a mom, as a dad, you have more influence in your kid's life than anyone ever else will. And so don't overlook that. Uh, you have the greatest opportunity to shape your kids' lives. I, we are so grateful that you bring them to Mount Hope, that you bring them to our Kids Adventure Ministry, but one, two hours a week, three hours a week, four hours a week is not going to compare to the influence you have as parents. And so I, you know, one piece of advice someone gave me a few years ago that I heard from a pastor that I pass on, date your kids. Um, uh, just schedule dates with your kids. Uh, you're a parent, you're a mom, a dad, so easy way for me to remember it in my calendar is the day of my kid's birthday is on my calendar as a date with them that month. So uh, if they're born on the 5th of the month, you go out the 5th of the month, uh, whatever month it is. So at least once a month, you've got some dedicated time with that child. Uh, and so that's a recommendation because you have a great influence on your children. So that's just uh, some resources for you for on this Father's Day uh, as you seek to live out that aspect of your life if you are a dad or a mom. This morning, as we continue to actually wrap up our series on ancient families, modern problems, we're starting a new series next week. Uh, this week, we're wrapping up the series that we started back in May. Um, and I want to start with a question. The question is, when does a person become an adult? When does a person become an adult? Uh, this is a, can be a problem, I think, in our current time. It was a problem even back in the times of the Bible, an ancient problem at times. But in our world, it definitely becomes an issue. When does someone know that they are an adult? It seems our world that going from a child to an adult is less like maybe the caterpillar going into the chrysalis, and there's an exact moment when you're like, okay, butterfly. And in our world, it's a little bit fuzzier from children to an adult sometimes. It's more like night turning into day, and you're like, I know it happened, but I may not exactly be sure when it happened. Um, There's very little taught, I think, in our world about becoming a man in our world. If we're talking about on Father's Day going from a boy to a man, there's very little talk about that transition moment or even from a girl to a woman to adulthood. When is that official moment? There's a lot of unofficial ones that I think sometimes people use. Maybe it's when you become a teenager. Uh, Maybe it's when you hit puberty. Maybe it's when you turn 16 and you're able to drive a car. It's amazing when you're young and waiting for that moment, how old 16 seems. And then when you've been on the road a while, how young it seems for someone to be driving a car. Uh, But maybe that's, you know, is that the moment when someone is it? It's when you get your driver's license. Um, Or maybe it's when you turn 18. 
You uh, graduate high school, you are able to join the military in the eyes of the government, you are seen as an adult, maybe that's the time, maybe it's 21 and you can buy a beer, maybe it's uh, some other, maybe it's when you get married, maybe it's when you have a family, maybe it's when you have kids, maybe it's when you have a mortgage. I don't know, when is the moment when you become an adult? When was it for you, man? Do you remember the moment when you knew you were an adult? When was it for you, woman? Do you remember the moment when someone said or you felt you're now an adult? We know it happens. Because if I put a child and an adult up here, you know the difference. But if I ask you when it happened, I think it's harder for us to sometimes pinpoint that moment. Other times, there are certain groups that have very specific moments. The Jewish uh, tradition, the bat mitzvah, is traditionally a moment to recognize a boy moving to manhood or the bat mitzvah, uh, a girl moving to womanhood in relation to their relationship to the Torah, to the Word of God. They have a very specific moment. But most of our culture, most of our world, lacks that moment. Same thing, uh, I think similar things in the time of the Bible in the days of the Apostle Paul There was some fuzziness about children and adults a little bit uh, and becoming an adult because Paul, in 1 Corinthians 13, he was writing to them about this problem we'll talk about in a minute. And he said this, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. There's a definite transition that takes place. Paul says, there was a time when I spoke, thought, and reasoned like a child, but I don't do that anymore. You know, you think about it, it can be amusing and endearing and even funny how a child speaks, thinks, and reasons. In fact, a lot of money is made on TV by the speaking and thinking and reasoning of children, people sending in videos of their children speaking, thinking, or reasoning in funny ways, and, uh, and America's Funniest Videos has made a lot of money off that. There are other times, there are other videos, places, if you, you know, on YouTube, there are some videos that I think are, uh, you know, people watch over and over. In fact, one of my favorites has been watched 53 million times on how a child speaks thinks and reasons and I'm going to show you that they can listen morning. to me listen to me like, like I do this all the time and if I go out at the, at the house or the door that has his toys and then that has all his toys okay but I have to yell at you guys okay what like everything they do at this house it can touch everything at Grandma's house. Okay. Okay, then what? <laughs> then you're not listening to me. Then you're not listening to me. I asked you not to do something. Linda, but listen to me. Look at If we do something, if you get that out, that bird thing off, you're going to break it. Okay. But I'm asking, I'm letting you know but that you cannot. Know, Linda, no, Linda, I'm listening. Look at it, look it. You're not listening to me. Linda, listen to me now. Listen to me now. No, you're not listening. I said no cupcakes. And you try to get cupcakes and you try to ask grandma. Linda, Didn't you? Linda, lick it. Lick it. Lick it. <laughs> if we do something right out this, if we, if we get clothes, you can't even get them. You're going to burn your butt. What's going to burn your butt? 
You and Kevin don't listen. So I have to give both of you guys pop pals in your butt. But Linda, but Linda. But Grandpa's uh, gonna give me papas in the butt. No, he's not. Yeah. I have to. You want? You don't want me to hit Kevin, or you don't want him to spank you? No. Why? Because anybody uh, wants to spank me. Then I have to spank Kevin. But he's my little pop-ups. He's your little pop-ups, but he doesn't listen. But Linda, honey, honey, look at, look at this. Right now, you can't do anything if you can't get everything out of the rock. If you're going to break everything down. I'm not breaking anything down. I'm just letting you know Linda, you cannot it, have it, cupcakes it, for dinner. It, Linda, Linda, like this thing, and never belong to you. Anything, you can't get anything and anything and anything. I'm done arguing with you. I'm done arguing with you. You need to listen to the things that I say because I'm the mom and I'm the dog. Look at, listen to me. All the time to get them this stink, this, this, this stink. I'm done arguing with you. Linda, I'm done arguing with you. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. Little Mateo is a good example, I think, of speaking and thinking and reasoning. And we watch that, and we laugh, and it's funny, because it is funny, because he's a child. And that's how a child speaks and thinks and reasons. But try that at work. And I bet it doesn't get 53 million YouTube. Or maybe it does get 53 million YouTube. You go to work and your boss is, Linda, 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 listen. I need a raise. Linda, Linda, listen. I need a more flexible work schedule. Linda, listen. No, because you are not a child that thinks and reasons and speaks like a child. There's a time when adulthood takes place, and that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying, look, there was a time I spoke and I thought and I reasoned like a child, but then that's not that time anymore. Now I am a man, and I no longer speak and think and reason that way. How do you know when you've come to that moment. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, but before we get there, let's look at the context of what Paul is talking about. Uh, a little bit more of the context of this verse. So this verse is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, and if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 13, you can turn there with me in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in a chair nearby you in the rack underneath, either in front of you or behind you. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is kind of near the back of the book, um, and I'm not sure if anyone's got one of the pew Bibles. You can tell me what page it's on, because I didn't look what page it's on. What is it? 959, 959, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So I read verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. But here's the context to that verse. The context to that verse, uh, verses 9 through 12, says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, 
These three, but the greatest of these is love. And so here's the context. The question is, what's Paul talking about? Paul says, when the perfect comes. He says, we'll see face to face. And he says, we'll be fully known. I mean, that sounds a bit cryptic. Paul, what are you talking about? What are you talking about when the perfect comes? We see in a mirror, you know, when, what is he talking about? Paul is talking about a very specific moment in history. He's talking about the time when Jesus returns. Jesus came once. We know that story, Christmas, Bethlehem, baby in the manger. But uh, the Christian faith, we believe that Jesus is going to return again. And when he returns again, this era as we know it is going to come to an end. And he says, when that time comes... We'll see face to face. We'll see perfectly. We'll see. Uh, we'll we'll have this this part of maturity where it won't be like looking through a mirror dimly. We'll see it clearly, and we'll be fully known. And what Paul is saying is this: Look, you're acting, and he's talking to this church at Corinth and these group of people there. He's saying, "Look, you're acting like children." And he says, you need to keep a broader perspective of what's actually going on. There's a time when Jesus is coming back and these things that seem important to you now really aren't that important. And these things you're arguing over like children now aren't really worth you arguing over. And he's telling them to grow up is basically what he's telling them. Because here's what was going on. There's a church at Corinth, and this is the first century, so the church is new, and they're learning how to be a church, but they weren't doing a very good job. In fact, they had this childish mentality that it's all about me. And that's the childish mentality, right? That's the speaking, thinking, and reasoning of a child. It's mine. That's Mateo, right? Look, I can have a cupcake if I want a cupcake, because grandma gives me cupcakes, and I can have a cupcake. It's mine. It's what I want. And this is what was going on in the church that Paul was writing to. In fact, when they would get together to celebrate communion, like we have the first Sunday of every month, we celebrate communion together, they would have not just the little piece of bread and the cup of juice like we have, they would have a whole meal. And just to illustrate what their thinking was, what would happen is the rich people among them, who dearly didn't have to work, who had a lot more free time, they would come early. And they would eat the meal. And they would indulge themselves. And they would drink. In fact, Paul says they would drink so much that they would get drunk before the poorer people, after a hard day's work, ever had a chance to come and eat anything. And when the poorer people would come, there'd be nothing left to eat. And Paul's saying, you're acting like children. You're acting selfish. This is the way a child acts. In fact, he also talks about this fact that they, they have spiritual gifts that God's given the church. Uh, prophecy or tongues like we experienced this morning or other gifts that God has given the church. And they're all saying, well, my gift is like better than your gift. And my gift is more important than your gift. And, my, and it's all about me. And Paul's saying, you're acting like children. Remember that Jesus is coming again. There's a time when you may see dimly now, but we're going to see face to face. Those things that look important to you now are not going to be that important. So keep in mind the context of what's going on. Paul's saying, stop acting like children. Grow up. You're being selfish. You're having this mentality of it's all mine, and that's what it is. And, I, and maybe we don't know where the, menta- where the line is from child to adult, but here's what I know. The criteria of children is often, or the attributes of children are often, it's all about me. If it tried to reason with a child, it's all about me. And it's hard sometimes to reason with a child. 
Paul's saying, stop acting like children. Stop speaking, thinking, and acting like children. And so then he gives them a criteria. Because what is the, so finally, what is the criteria? How do you know when you have grown up? How do you know when you have gone from a boy to a man? How do you know when you have gone from a girl to a woman? How do you know when you are entering that place of adulthood? Well, that, Paul's criteria is a very familiar passage, but if I had given it to you right at the beginning, we might have missed the context. So the passage is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, and it says this, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. The mark of maturity, Paul's saying, when you are going from a child to an adult, he's saying the adult... He's saying, this is how you're supposed to act. This is how you should be acting towards each other. You should be adults. You should be adults. And the mark of maturity is when you get to the place where you can stop saying, it's all mine, and start saying, it's all yours, and recognize that loving someone means stop putting yourself at the focus, and you can sacrificially love someone else. That, Paul's saying, is the mark of maturity. The mark, I don't know when that day is, but Paul's saying what should happen when you are an adult is that you come to the place where you can love sacrificially. The mark of maturity is measured by what you sacrifice. What you sacrifice. Have you ever tried to reason with a child about sacrifice? Right? Reasoning with a child. You should give that up, Johnny, so Susie can have it. But it's mine. Well, I know it's yours, but, you know, the, it would be really loving if you, it, wouldn't it be great if Susie had that? But it's mine. Well, well, yes, it's yours. And you don't get anywhere sometimes. Because they haven't got to the place where they understand this idea of sacrificial love. Of loving others, putting others before themselves. But this is the mark of maturity. The mark of maturity is what is it that you sacrifice? Because you sacrifice something. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. So what are you sacrificing? Will I sacrifice personal wants and desires for the people around me? Or will I sacrifice relationships with the people around me and their well-being for the sake of my personal wants and desires? Will I sacrifice my children on the altar of entertainment? And what's that look like? Sometimes it's very easy to recognize. Dad, I have a question for you. Mom, can we go out and play? Dad, I got a joke for you, and it's the same joke I told you five minutes ago. And it wasn't funny then, and it's not going to be funny now, but I got a joke for you. If you're not a parent, trust me, that happens. And they, don't, and they tell you the joke, and they tell you the punchline, and they're laughing their head off, and you are laughing because they're laughing. But it's these moments. Dad, I got a joke for you. Dad, you want to go outside? Dad, you want... And it's these moments, in those moments, what do you sacrifice? 
Can't you see I'm busy here? Can't you see I'm watching this? Can't you see I'm working? Can't you see I'm doing something later? What will you sacrifice? Because we all sacrifice something. Do you and I put more effort into figuring out a strategic solution to a problem at work than I do in figuring out how to communicate a complicated concept to my children at home? I'm not saying you have to do one or the other. I'm just saying sometimes we don't think about it this way. Sometimes we know at work, hey, I've got to put my mind to it. I've got to figure this out. This is a complicated problem, and I've got to figure it out. And then sometimes we come home, and we shut that mind off, and we're just like, I don't know how to do this, you know? And it's just like, well, I put that same effort into saying, how can I communicate the love of God to this child in front of me? Let me figure, can I apply the same skills and thinking and effort that I would apply in my workplace when somebody's paying me to do this to this child or this person in front of me that no one's paying me to do this, but this is valuable? What will you sacrifice? Sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. How can I help my children? Well, I put the same effort into helping my children combat the lies of the culture regarding their origin and value. How can I convince them of the truth of the gospel? These are the things that are important, but these are the things that are easily we get distracted from. Maybe you're not a parent, but you've got friends in your life that you can either sacrificially love or not. And the mark of an adult and the mark of a man is the person who comes to the place where he can say, he can come to the place and sit down from and say, put this down and say, you've got my full attention. I am here to be with you. I am here to love you. I am here to engage with you right now. And that is the mark of a person who's coming to a place of maturity. That it's not about me, and it's not just I'm here for me, that it's about you, and because of what God has done for me, I will love you in the way that he has loved me. I will love you in the way that is patient and kind and not envying and not keeping a record of wrongs and all the ways that the Bible describes love, because that's not easy to love that way, but it's mature to love that way old statement that says you're only young once but you can be immature forever i used to laugh at that comment but now i think it's sad because i've seen it to be too true sometimes that there's a lot of people who grow older but don't grow more mature they celebrate birthdays but they haven't grown more mature and just because you get to a certain age does not equal maturity So how do you know when you're an adult? How do you know when you get to that place of a man? I think Paul gives us a criteria here that when we learn how to love sacrificially, when we learn how to put others before ourselves, when we learn how to stop saying it's all mine and get to the place where we say it's all yours. Gary Thomas, in that book I mentioned, Sacred Parenting, he has a couple quotes that I thought were helpful. He says, having kids isn't about us, it's about him. We are called to bear and raise children for the glory of God. When we realize that having children isn't about us, but it is rather about God, then the trials and sacrifices of parenting are more easily born. It's not about us. That's when you reach that place of maturity because sometimes you get to that child and you think it's all about you, all about the joy that child gives you, all about the fun that child gives you, all about that. 
But the mature parent, the mature adult comes to the place and says, no, this is about glorifying God through raising this child. It's not about helicopter parenting. It's not about coddling. It's about raising up a child who will go forth into the world, trained up to serve, to love God, and to serve him. One of the other quotes that I like from uh, Gary Thomas from this book says, it seems to me that we tend to take too much credit for kids who turn out good and too much blame for kids who turn out bad. None of us can be such good parents that God becomes obligated to save our children's souls. On the more encouraging end, none of us can mess up so badly that our children somehow extend beyond the reach of God's mercy. That there is grace and there is love. God has called you to effort. He has called you to sacrificially love your kids. But it's all for him. And it's all for his glory. And so... God has called you to be an adult, to be a man, to be a woman. And that means being able to stop saying it's all mine. Start saying it's all yours. Because this is the example of our Lord Jesus. Jesus, who in John chapter 13, we have the account of him washing the feet of his disciples. The master... God himself serving the sinners. The Savior serving the sinners. The Master serving the Savior, the servant. God himself bowing and washing the dirty feet of these men and then saying to them, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. To love one another wasn't the new command. They had been told that before. But love one another as I have loved you. Giving myself for you. Laying down my life for you. There is no more mature love than the love of God himself laying down his life for the sake of sinners that they might become clean and in right relationship with God. And God calls you and he calls me to be a man, to grow into maturity, and to love people in that same way. It is a different way of thinking. It's a different way of acting and thinking. In 1543, Nicholas Copernicus published a book De revolutionibus orbium celestium, which revolutionized the world. Up until Copernicus, common knowledge said that the earth was stationary at the center of the universe and everything else revolved around the earth. Copernicus put into writing the early stages of what is the correct understanding of the universe, which is the sun sits at the center and everything revolves around the sun. But once uh, Copernicus set forward this new theory, a hundred years later, the correct understanding fell into place. Author Mark Batterson, in this book that I mentioned earlier, Play the Man, he writes that many of us need a Copernican revolution to take place in our hearts. We live our lives with ourselves at the center and everyone else revolving around us. Our friends, co-workers, wives, children exist to serve us. 
And we have a sense that things in our lives are not quite right. The reason the universe doesn't make sense is as long as you sit at the center of the universe, you have a flawed perspective on reality. Your universe should revolve around the sun. Of course, S-O-N is the play on words there. That when we put Jesus at the center of our universe and recognizing that it's not all mine, that it's all yours, that the rest of our lives begin to fall into place. So on this day, the question is, will you come to the place, and have you come to the place where you can love the way God calls you to love? Where you can come to that place of maturity, because I think we live in a culture and a world that wants to extend, glorify, and near deify adolescence. We live in a world that wants to keep children children as long as possible and maybe way beyond the natural bounds of when children should be children. I do agree, kids should be kids, and there's a time for that, and there's a time for children to speak and think and act and reason like children, and then there's a time to grow up. And we live in a place and a culture that often glorifies adolescence to the point that it never calls kids to grow up. And it never calls kids to look beyond themselves and say, come to a place where you realize this world is not about you. It's not all yours. Come to a place where you can love sacrificially. So where are those places in your life? As we close out our service, this message this morning, I'm going to ask our musicians to return. And we're going to sing a couple songs, and we're going to have a time just to pray and reflect on these words that God has spoken. Um, And as you're here... As we sing these couple songs, maybe there's something in your heart that you, God is working on you. Maybe it's one of those words. And if you didn't, if you closed your Bible, I'd encourage you again to open it up to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. And maybe there's a word in that short passage that God would highlight to you and say, there's an area of love that I want to work on in your life. Maybe it's patience. Maybe it's kindness, maybe it's envy, maybe it's boasting, maybe it's not holding a grudge. I don't know what it is, but maybe there's an area there that God says, I am calling you to love sacrificially. And if you're a dad here just on this Father's Day, I just want to remind you that God has called us and given you this important role in your kid's life. And you haven't done everything perfect. You haven't done everything perfect, and neither have I. But the race isn't over. And you still have a job to do. And if you're a father, and you've got kids, God has called you to love them in the way that he has loved you. And so I encourage you in these moments as we're singing these couple songs of worship and our elders are going to come forward and they'll be available for prayer too to pray with you or you can just come and kneel at the altar if you've got something you want to, you want to pray and bring to the Lord and you just want to come to the altar. The altar is where you bring something to die. When you look in Scripture... The altar was always a place where something came to die. In the Old Testament, there were animal sacrifices that were on the altar. We don't need to make animal sacrifices anymore. But the New Testament calls us to be living sacrifices for God. And maybe there's something you got to bring to the altar and just say, this needs to die in my life today.
and you just bring it forward and you kneel before God and you just pray to him and you say, Lord, this thing in my life, this selfishness, this idea that it's all mine, this idea that it's all about me, this part of love that has not been developed, this morning it has to die and I need to grow up into the man, the woman that you are calling me to be. Or maybe you need to say, you know, Lord, as a dad, I haven't really been doing what I needed to do and I've blown it in a lot of ways and I need you to forgive me and I need you to give me the strength to go forward and to be the kind of father you are calling me to be. Whatever that might be as the music ministry plays, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to worship and as they play, if you want to come and pray with one of our elder teams, they'll pray with you. If you want to come and pray at the altar, they'll pray with you. But let's worship the Lord together. Father, would you speak to us now? Would you guide us? Father, would you, Lord, call us and by your Holy Spirit just highlight those places in our lives. Call us to be a people of maturity, Lord, and show us those places in our lives, those things that need to die, that we need to sacrifice to be the men and women of God that you have called us to be.